0: My name is Nick. I'm one of your many hosts for the Pubtrivers Pubcast, a hopefully monthly podcast where we explore the bizarre and brilliant world of beer and the excellent pubs that serve it. We are not beer writers or experts. We're just a bunch of friends who meet up every month or so to explore the wonderful and weird world of pubs and beer, both in the UK and abroad, and we call ourselves Pubtrivers. We thought it might be a laugh sharing our stories and experiences with you. From one group of non-beer experts to another, Let's go pub trotting. Hello, and welcome to Pub Trotters Pubcast uh, at the Lockdown Inn again. Um, this month, I have the privilege of being joined uh, by co-host Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Nick. Thanks
1: very much for having me on. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining
0: us. How are things?
1: Uh, things are... Okay. I mean, if we park the whole lockdown craziness for one second, I guess um, we are now into uh, what uh, Yehan Evans once described as the the only thing that gets Welsh people through the winter, i.e., the Six (laughs) Nations.
0: Indeed. Um, absolutely. You, uh, so you've been you've been watching it. It's not been fun watching, really, even though we've won the first two games. Yeah, we've we've been quite lucky, I think. Um, we well, one of the things,
1: sort of, from a beer perspective, we, uh, that I've been doing uh, so far, and you know, sort of two two games out of five, I've managed to achieve is um, drinking a beer that's been made by the opposing team. Well, not the opposing team, but the opposing team's country, rather. Um, so, yeah not like scotland rugby club brewery <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> although you know there's a gap in the market probably for that um so the first two were quite easy with with ireland being guinness and uh brew dog then for for scotland um, oh yeah yeah
0: I, I was just i was just thinking what did you get from scotland cuz all i remember with all i remember what when you watch scotland is they have tenants stickers everywhere yeah, I, so I, I thought you might have gone for tenants um you probably chose far more wisely um and that yeah good work um fantastic um so thank you for joining us ken today so just for i know ken from uh university days uh back in cardiff where we, i guess frequented through various friends as well we didn't know each other too well back then did we, Ken? but um we've definitely got to know each yep. other even more since which has been really nice what are some of the, yeah. what are some of the pubs you remember from those days student times well very,
1: yeah yeah i think um you know there was uh, anything in and around Cate's, i think was was obviously um you know something that i'd remember uh, i really enjoyed the gower um which you know was a classic cardiff pub it had a skittle alley um it had yeah. sort of it, it it was one of those pubs that had two entrances it had an entrance for people who just wanted to go in with a very stripped-back pub that sold, you know, a reasonably sort of uh, underwhelming selection of beers, I must say, but the other half was, I think, for people who wanted to go in and watch Emmerdale in the pub, um, and <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a great pub. In fact, it, it, interestingly, I learned sort of the two, um, the two big rules of, of jukeboxing uh, in in the Gower, which um, I'm not sure if, if, if you're familiar with these, Nick, but I, I think hopefully the listeners, um, would want to hear this. The, the, the first is to do with pricing mechanisms around jukebox songs. Now um, I, I can't remember whether it was actually in the Gower but I remember talking about it in the Gower with one of the locals and and um, this is where with a jukebox you pay 50p for one song and then it was normally a pound for three but then certain pubs would would charge two pound for five which, if you look, if you look at it, is actually more expensive than than doing yeah. it in instalments of a pound. So, um, you know, a little bit of shenanigans there on on that front. <laughs> and then the the second rule, which I think is is if it's not governed under the Geneva Convention, it certainly should be, um, which is that if you were if you were playing more than one song on a jukebox machine, there, there's, there's a legal requirement um, that one of those songs has to be a Dire Straits song. <laughs>
0: yeah uh, yeah that is one that often uh, it's funny you say that there used to be a jukebox in a pub i used to go to back in my home village like just when i started drinking i love a jukebox some listeners regular listeners the you know all two of them uh will know uh, i've heard me rant about how much i love jukeboxes and there aren't enough pubs with them these days
1: yeah
0: um but yeah dice why, why is that i mean they've only got two or three like decent songs haven't they yeah, I think they've got, you know, sort of that that album Um Brothers in
1: Arms is quite quite a good album. Yeah. And obviously sort of, you know, it's got money for nothing. Romeo and Juliet is, is, is another uh, yeah, nice, that's nice a good one. Um yeah, I think um I, I think it was partly due to the fact that they didn't have a very big selection of of uh, of records. So, you know, sort of it was it was sort of dire straits and anything else you could find. Yeah. Um and the other the other thing actually on that jukebox is they, they used to have a warning on um, what's the story Morning Glory. I'm not sure exactly which track it is, but it's either track six or seven and track 11 are very, very short. And they right. actually had a warning saying, do not select this. It's only 30 <laughs> seconds long, which is uh, you I,
0: know, it's I, good cons- Yeah. It's very nice of them. That's a very nice kind of thing for, to do for the pubs. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Oh God, see, I'm already, the problem with doing this pub podcast so often is I get very, very sad that we can't go to pubs again yet, yeah. but one day, um, and of course, as, as we've discussed before, the is now shut, sadly. Today, listeners, we've got uh, a guest joining us in a bit from a pub in Hitchin, Hitchin, Hertfordshire. Uh, Aaron, who is the landlord, I believe, and we'll triple check that when he comes on, uh, is joining us for the rest of the podcast um, so join us after this break welcome back and a special welcome to our guest for this month's podcast um, I don't know your surname Aaron I probably should have figured that out beforehand but Aaron from the Albert uh, in Hitchin welcome Aaron
2: thanks very much Nick yeah it's, uh, Aaron's fine but it's Aaron Carter um, I'm right. the landlord of the, the Albert over in Hitchin and uh, yeah thanks very much for having me on today
0: Brilliant. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, it's really good to be chatting to someone that's brought me so much joy over COVID uh, with your beers. Um, so um, today, as mentioned, we're going to be doing some of our usual segments and uh, which Aaron's going to be joining in on these. And then later on, we'll talk specifically to Aaron about how his pub's doing, uh, how they're managing during COVID, um, and generally kind of how things are looking for the future of the kind of pub industry, or at least Aaron's pub, the Albert. Um, but just before we kind of kick off, just like to have a bit of a check-in really. So, you know, Aaron, how are you doing? How are, how are things generally at the moment for you, uh, yourself yeah, and the both?
2: Things, um, things, are, things are good, thanks for asking. Uh, it's, uh, it's a difficult, tricky time, isn't it? It seems like uh, wherever you go and you see people you know, you'll say, you know, hi, how's it going? How are things? And no one's got anything to say at the moment because it is just so much of a pause. Um, obviously we haven't had the news yet from uh, government on the roadmap to reopening so we're very much um, you know sat on our hands at the moment uh, it's making it very difficult to make any plans but uh but no we're uh, we're optimistic about the future uh, the news is starting to look good thankfully and uh, we're in rude health so uh, looking forward to getting back on the uh, back on the road and uh, and having loads of people into our pubs
0: that's really nice to hear. And um, me and Ken were just talking about some, we were, we, so me and Ken know each other from university days. And we were just talking about kind of the pubs we used to frequent back in the, when was it, when was it early 2000s, Ken? Um, yeah. And I guess yeah. we, you know, kind of just reminiscing about it's, it's going to be weird to go back into pubs. And I'm going to, I'm curious to know like how it's, if it's going to get, if people are going to jump at the chance, are people are going to be tiptoeing in a bit. I mean, Ken, what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think there's there's a risk, isn't there? That, that if they if they um, don't do it in a pretty staged way, that people will just get a bit overexcited. I think, um, you know, we you see this sort of footage from um, from Cardiff in particular, and you know, sort of in the summer last year, and obviously I know it was it was in in London as well. You know, very very busy, lots of people out and about on the streets and things, and I think that. It, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to sort of come up with a way of doing it that you know allows people to mingle and you know do all the things that we know and love doing in a pub but but also doing that in a kind of safe way. So um, I think you know Aaron it'd be interesting to hear how how you guys are sort of seeing it in terms of you know have you had any sort of guidance or any sort of soundings as to how how you might go about you know getting more people in but keep, keeping keeping them, them safe as well.
2: Um, so we've had no further guidance. Um, it's it's a popular question, actually. A lot of people uh, <laughs> ask that one, and uh, unfortunately, we probably the same as brewers and doctors get the information exactly the same time as you guys do. Uh, one thing I will say is that um, in the uh, in in the experience we've had uh, over the last year with the uh, with the three lockdowns that have come, um, we've we've had a lot of guidance from government about. How to operate safely. And uh, we've had to do COVID risk assessments. um, And I'm sure that they will, all those risk assessments will still stand. So, you know, the amount of distance you need to have between customers, Mm. not having people at the bar, one way systems through the pubs and things like that. I think a lot of that information will still be good for the new reopening. So, I think the government and local. Councils have done enough to uh, to ensure that every pub in the country should really know what the rules are um, by the time we do get to reopening. Uh,
0: but yeah, so f- f- great to have you on, Aaron. So just out of curiosity, what is everyone drinking? It's really annoying. So we've, we'll you'll see on the photo if you go to the blog, listeners, that Aaron is actually in his pub uh, with a pint and just making me and Ken incredibly jealous. Um, but what are, what are people drinking at the moment? What are you drinking, Aaron? What are you what have we got on?
2: Uh, well, in the uh, in the glass at the moment, I've got a a, a lovely uh, sort of caramel stout that I picked up at um, Hamilton Brewery over in Islington. It's called La Rue Project. It's uh, 5.8 and it's uh, absolutely delicious. So drink it slowly and enjoy.
0: Nice. Very nice. Hamilton are going to get a lot of love tonight because I'm also drinking a Hamilton, but it's because you delivered it to me yesterday. Uh, and it's, it's but it's also well, I, I also love the idea. It's called Working From Home, uh, the Working From Home IPA and um, it's going down an absolute treat um yeah it's, it's, it's i i'm really i'm really enjoying uh takeaway pints in these milk cartons it's been quite an experience uh ken what are you drinking at the moment
1: yeah so i'm drinking a um arbor um pudding ipa uh, so arbor brewery uh, is based in bristol so reasonably reasonably close close as the crow flies um it's a New England IPA, uh, and it's got um, vanilla and citra, Eldorado and mosaic hops, and six percent. Um, and the thing I like about Arbor, obviously, the beers taste incredible, but they also come in pint cans. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I actually sort of went down to uh, kind of probably the nearest thing to uh, a, a shop that I've got that, that sort of sells sells good beer. Um, it's, it's actually called the, the Drop Bar workshop and they do bikes bike repair and beer um i i I popped in there over christmas because my son's um bike needed uh sort of a change in a tube or something and i'm totally hopeless when it comes to anything to do with repairing bikes um i went into the shop and you know sort of bloke was mending it and they had this incredible wall of of craft beer and i was looking at it chatting to him for about five minutes and um he said uh I can't sell any of that to you at the moment because we haven't had a license through, but um, I'm pleased to report they have had their license through this morning or the, the, when I went there this morning, it come through. Um, so I picked that up and he said to me, that'll taste like marzipan. And I'm not really getting marzipan off it. It's quite, I mean, you guys can, can see that. It's, it's nice, yeah. and, nice and opaque, nice and hazy. Um, dangerously drinkable for a 6%, I'd say.
0: So I'm going I'm to hand over to Ken now, who's going to jump into our first segment uh, for today. Uh, Ken, over to yeah. you. Yeah, great.
1: Thanks, Nick. So this is the the pub of the month uh, segment, which is um, basically a pub that you're looking forward to go into um, once it's all safe. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're allowed to go and do so. Um, Aaron, I think if we sort of start. Start with you. Um, we're going to go around the group, and obviously, bearing in mind that you're the landlord of of, of a pub, I think we'd encourage you to pick a pub other than other than yours. Um, but you know, which of of course, I'm sure you're, you're you're very pleased to be going back to you anyway, seeing as you're there at the moment. Um, but but you know, I guess a lot of people in their mind will be thinking, oh, I'm really looking forward to going to that that particular place. Um, and and just tell us a bit about about you know what what where you're looking forward to going to and uh, and why
2: absolutely yeah there's a there's a great little pub well it's not that little actually there's a lovely pub um up in mill hill called the adam and eve it's on the ridgeway uh, just near mill East station um it's uh it's it's, it's a wonderful pub it's uh, it's quite large um open plan space uh, with lots of modern furnishings and an open fire uh, it's got a restaurant room upstairs but what really stands out about it especially in the spring and the summer is a, a wonderful garden. It's got a back. Uh, it's just wood chippings and large, big wooden benches, and it's so far out of London that it's almost in the countryside. So it's uh, it's very peaceful there, and it's uh, it's one of the first places I'm going to be going to uh, get a Sunday roast actually once all this is over and the uh, the sun is shining because I've just got great memories of having a nice beer down there and a lovely Sunday lunch. Oh, is
0: awesome. that is that Mill Hill as in kind of like North? Westish London,
2: North, northwest London. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh,
0: okay, yeah. I used to, I used to live near Muswell Hill, and I always thought that Mill Hill and Muswell Hill was the same place for a while, uh, and then I realised it. wasn't.
2: Yeah, I was involved with a pub, um, a, a pub down there, down that way as well, uh, called the Three Compasses in Hornsey, oh. and, uh, and uh, I used to get confused between uh, Mill Hill and Muswell Hill as well at the time.
0: Oh wow, small world! I know the Three Compasses. Yeah,
1: there oh, you good go.
0: Stuff. <laughs> and,
1: and Nick, how about you? What's your what's what's sort of, um, you know, top of your list? I mean, ov- obviously, you know, th- there's only one choice, surely, isn't there, Aaron? I <laughs> think.
2: I
0: think you know what I was going to say. The Albert. I mean, so th- the funny thing with the Albert is me and me and my other half only kind of discovered it during lockdown. So we haven't actually been there. Uh, we we moved to Hitchin in December 2019, Aaron. So. And then, hit, and then COVID hit in March didn't it so you know we only we would only be here two three months uh and I'd al- always clocked the Albert because I remember just looking at it, thing and I really want to go in there at some point because I don't know what it's going to be like um and, yeah. uh, then but then we yeah so me and my other half went for an outside beer and food um in I want to say like September or something last year or October and it was my, girl, my girlfriend had brought a, a warp. We weren't going to go inside. We've been very cautious uh, due to personal reasons. And you uh, should put a hot water bottle to sit outside. And we kept getting off tables inside because they had them. Uh, we, we were just being cautious. Was, no, no, it's all right, we're fine. Um, and just fell in love with the place. And I think, I, yeah, I, I it's, it's a fantastic pub. I am going to, um, just to not be too obvious because it is the obvious choice. Uh, I'm gonna go with a pub in uh, London, which I feel is always a cliche. I should always look outside my comfort zone, but um, there's a pub called the Old Fountain um, near um, Old Street. And it's one of those pubs, I'd argue a bit like the Albert, like from the outside, it doesn't look like a classic, got a great beer range sort of pub. Um, but then you go inside and it's beer selection is absolutely amazing. And the, it's it's a busy pub, It's a, it's a old looking pub and it's busy inside it feels like it's smoky even though no one's smoking obviously um and it just it just yeah just screams good pub um and I accidentally you know went in there just to have a nose one day and I was so overwhelmed and happy that it was such a good pub and they've got a beer garden on the roof as well which I've never actually been to um mainly because I've always gone there in the winter um but it's it's a yeah, I think every time I do this part of the pub of the podcast, I, I am kind of thinking, oh, where, where is there? And there are so many places. Another place, just worthy of note, I'm not going to go into detail, is the City Arms in Cardiff. I kind of went for a Welsh initially. Thought about Welsh pubs, uh, and for, for those listeners who don't know, it, it's a, a very very small. Well, it's got, it's got a bit bigger, I guess now, isn't it? Uh, but it's a very it's a very close to the um, Principality Stadium or the Millennium Stadium, as I still call it. Uh, and is an absolutely great pub as well. So I kind of took two there. Sorry, Ken. <laughs> yeah, no, that's actually fine. Yeah,
1: I know I've got some fond memories of the City Arms as well. It's uh, it, it's it's a great it's a great pub in the in the city centre, really, isn't it? And I think yeah, uh, so good. You know, it'll be um, it'll be one that I hope hope they can sort of you know continue the success hmm. of. Yeah. Um, what about you? Yeah, I, I think sort of my uh, my choice would. Be, yeah, I, I would I would say um, the well. I'd start off by saying any any pub that's got the view of the sea or anywhere that you can sit out and, and just see the sea i think to be a bit more specific i'd, I'd probably go for um the tenby harbour brewery tap room um they've got oh, a lovely nice. lovely little tap room down there in tenby um which is uh for, for for anyone who's not been to tenby and as soon as you get the chance you know to to, to go there i would thoroughly recommend it it's got a sort of lovely um seaside vibe to it um you know it's it's sort of it's not too busy in the summer as well i mean it's reasonably busy but it, it's it's not as busy as, as, as some places um and yeah this the the, the harbour room is great you know they've got obviously the temby harbour brewery um sort of sell sell their beer there they've also got another you know really good selection of guest ales as well um and the, they just have sort of random food which is nearly always you know totally fresh um seafood as well that you can that you can eat um so i i would go for for, for that i think as my uh as my choice of um a venue nice. for when we are allowed
0: to go to go back yeah to I, that's correct me if i'm wrong that tap room is kind of like because they, they associate with a pub don't they as well on the main strip yes that's right yeah
1: yeah so yeah. They, they they are yes yeah, so they've got their own tap room which is sort of it's it's quite small, it's quite intimate. Yeah. I mean, it'd be quite, you know, ho- hopefully they'll be able to manage to make it all work with people distancing and things, but, but um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's lovely. And it's the building as well. I think they renovated it five years yeah. ago um, and it's it's just got sort of, they've, just, they've done a really good job actually of kind of maintaining a lot of the traditional features like the kind of wooden beams in the in the roof. Um, with, you know, slightly quirkier things like the kind of, you know, light bulbs in in jam jars and things like that, that we've all come to know and love over recent years. Nice.
0: Oh, that so that's, that's a good pub. Aaron, have you ever been to B?
2: No, I haven't. I was just writing it down, actually, to make sure I, uh, I go and look it up.
0: Uh, brilliant. Thank you for that, Ken. So there's three pubs for us and you listeners to look out at um, when you when we d- we are allowed to go into pubs again and you know to, to to be near people touch people hug people whatever you want to do uh covid restricted obviously if you need to um so we're going to move on to my favorite segment of the uh podcast which is the pub news um so pub news each month we scour the pub and beer world to bring you a nugget of news um and we're gonna we're gonna there is of so With this topic, we've done it. We've done this. Is the third podcast we've done in lockdown or or COVID times, should we say? Uh, And obviously, it's quite hard to move away from the obvious bit of news that is often in uh, pub headlines, and that's about opening, about surviving, about being able to continue to operate in various restrictions, which has obviously been very hard for lots of people. Uh, And I think we're gonna we're gonna come to. I'm gonna our news with Aaron is simply gonna be how has it been. Um, Aaron which will come to you in a minute if that's all right with that kind of so it's not flash news headline news we want to know like what's been the news for your pub and your staff and um but me and Ken have managed to find the very few pieces of news that are out there that don't entail any mention of the word COVID um back when we did this before COVID there was obviously loads but um we've got I've got I've got one Ken's got one potentially two he's told me so we'll go Ken let let's go to you what have you got for us
1: so I the, the, the first piece of news um, is uh, sort of has a, in fact both both of these pieces of news have, have a kind of Welsh angle to them um, the first is in relation to uh, sa brain uh, uh, having sold uh, its pubs to um, Marstons um, sort of just before Christmas yeah sacrilege. Uh, well yeah I, I think it's an interesting one I, the, what they've said is that they they're going to continue to operate under the brains uh, under the brains banner um and you know i think uh, well even just you know in this podcast so far we've probably named two or three um you know iconic brains pubs, iconic yeah. brains pubs and um i think the, the the bigger question mark at the moment is around that they've they've sold the um the the pubs uh, but it's always sort of whether the you know they're going to continue to carry on brewing um and I think Nick you might may have even been in in the media talking about this about the fact that
0: they have been <laughs> the
1: potential for, for brains yes. to be brewed over the border
0: I don't know where it was published but I yeah got interview, <laughs> interviewed by uh, well I'm not going to I don't know if I can go into too many details but I got interviewed shall we say about the brain I don't you obviously are aware of brains at brewery Aaron um absolutely yeah yeah. so yeah just they've 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 sold all their pubs to Marsden's and now there's I don't know if there's concerns but there's potential for it to be the brewery itself as well because they did talk about something Ken correct me if I'm wrong but they're on about relocating the brewery which is currently based right behind Cardiff Station, train station.
1: Yeah. So, they, well, they've actually they've actually got a new brewery, in, but it's it's in Cardiff. Um, but I think okay. the the concern is for you know whether whether they can find someone to kind of take that on. Um, and I think you know I mean anyone who's been to to Cardiff, you know certainly for an international weekend, will will undoubtedly you know have been in a brains pub and probably probably drank a fair amount of, of brains beer as well. Um, so I think that's you know that, that's obviously one one big story um the second is in relation to uh, i guess what sort of a lot of people are seeing as the big you know growth category in craft beer at the moment being sort of non-alcoholic uh, beer um with uh, there's a there's a brewery in Swansea, um which is called drop beer beer co and they are certainly wales's only um non-alcoholic uh, craft craft beer maker um, and it was, it's, it's founded um, by uh, two two ladies who've set it up. Um, the name of the, the brewery, Drop Beer, derives from uh, an in-joke that Australians have, um, which they obviously managed to wheel out to sort of unsuspecting tourists, um, being that the, the koala allegedly has this carnivorous cousin called the Drop Beer, and, and it's so named for the fact that it drops onto... Unsuspecting tourists when they're in the forest and, and attacks them, um, and and actually so much so that the if you if you googled um, you know sort of drop beer you'll you'll find a video of a an ITV reporter who had to basically wear sort of full protective gear in order to handle what was actually a koala, but she'd been told it was this this drop beer <laughs> So I thought that was quite quite a nice. <laughs>
0: My, if I may just jump in with my news. So it's, it's it is really hard to find a bit some news that has nothing to do with COVID at the moment. Um, but I found one about an old pub. I do love an old pub, and this is one thing I'm going to do when we start travelling again: is literally look for places that have old pubs and then go visit them. Um, so Lancashire's oldest pub has a secret underground tunnel that survived fire, royal rebels, and lockdown. Uh, So, this is a story about a pub that's been going for 700 years, uh, survived the major fire, welcomed royal rebels, witnessed cockfighting, and hosted a visit from a sitting prime minister. Built in 1320, this building is known for its thatched roof. Um, Yes, this pub uh, is called the Scotch Piper uh, in Lancashire. Um, And I don't know, I think I, I I have a romantic soft spot for old pubs. I think I remember taking a friend on an old pub tour of London for his stag do um and it's just I don't know it's something about old pubs that just history and stuff like that for me just really catch me Are, are there any other are there any pubs kind of that you've known as old pubs that you really like um Ken or Aaron
1: yeah well I suppose
0: um I'm I'm
1: lucky enough every now and again with with work to be in London, and you know I, one of the things I I really miss about it is just you know getting out of any tube station, pretty much anywhere in 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 the city, and just you know turning right, turning left, and just go into a a glorious old pub and. I think um probably not quite as as impressive or as or as sort of um you know long standing as as the Lancashire pub but you know you'll you'll invariably find out that you know it's got some incredible backstory and um you know you, you do realize quite how important pubs are to the fabric of of society and to you know what kind of makes us um, a, a society and a community and the kind of stories that kind of get passed down um you know be it sort of uh you know in terms of kings and queens who've who've been in various pubs or you know if you're in a rugby club in Wales it'll be oh you know so and so from the Lions was in here or whatever and um yeah I think that's that that's you know sort of a generic sort of way of saying you know I'm basically sort of you know missing a lot of pubs really
0: (laughs) yeah sounds it (laughs) what about you Aaron any any kind of old pubs that spring to mind that you kind of remember or have been to
2: yeah so I've just been scouring my tiny little brain trying to think uh but uh but, but you know the 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 age of a pub uh is uh is something that doesn't always come to mind uh when, when i'm uh, when I'm doing research on it. But let me tell you a little something um uh, I've been involved in two pubs on Royal College Street in Camden over the years. So um, I was uh, running a pub called the uh, Prince Albert down there for many years, and uh, then before we bought the Albert in Hitchin, uh, we bought our sister pub, the uh, the the Golden Lion in Camden. Um, so so we've got the two pubs now. But um, one thing that really struck me over the years while looking for historic photos of both of the places is the amount of changes that took place, because both of the pubs were built in the 1800s, the amount of changes that took place periodically um, in the in the area, because Camden being so built up, and being mm. so central to, uh, to, to, to North London, it's, um, you know, you, for example, the uh, the Golden Lion used to have a factory opposite it, and uh, a factory beside it, and now there's, a uh, across the road from there, there's a uh, there's a, a kind of business centre that looks like it's been there forever. And on the other side of it, there's a huge parcel Ford yard, forced yard, that looks like it's been there forever. And, it, you know, there was uh, looking at old photos of the trams coming up and down the road, uh, Royal College Street, and... Um, you know just uh we've got photos of the uh the golden lion with a lot of kind of you know w- what are obviously working class people lined up outside but had got their sunday best on and there was kids you know sitting on the steps and Amazing. you know, uh, yeah, so yeah. It, it really strikes me how much history we've been through in the last 200 years you know it's uh you know just, as a society obviously you know uh, with with the advent of technology things are speeding up even more but but how really different things were 200 years ago and uh and and, and ensuring that we we see a lot of preservation within the pubs because obviously there's a this i think it's been put a stop to now mostly but there was a lot of pubs being sold to turn into residential in london mm-hmm. but the pubs are a very good beacon of uh remembrance for the way things were in london um you know an unchanging uh landmark in an ever-changing society if you will
1: yeah, yeah, it, that's really interesting that that piece around it being constant, isn't it? Because no matter what 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 job you have, you know, on a Friday night or Friday afternoon, you 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 just want to go for a beer, don't you, and and sort of socialise. And it's it's sort of an inherently human thing. Um, and I think you know a lot of a lot of the reasons why you know people want to get back to pubs is for the well-being aspect, isn't it? Because you know they've been particularly people who are working at home. Um, that you know, you sort of you just don't get that too, that sort of release of just going to have a cup, you know, even if it's just one or two on a Friday. Um and, and it's funny to hear you say that that's been happening for hundreds of years, is not it? People have been working, regardless of whatever job it is, you know, be it down the mine or wherever, you you always want to go for a beer on a Friday night, don't you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's and I, I guess I like I said, I always have a soft spot for old pubs. And I've just kind of was reading through this article earlier and it's talking about the stories of it, you know, having it caught fire and how it didn't get properly going because that's why it's still there. And there's photos of it though. It just looks absolutely stunning. And again, it's you know this place was right we right, we're gonna have to go up there at some point. Um so that's the Scotch Piper uh in Lancashire. Um yeah it's one of the oldest pubs there's a secret underground tunnel that they've just discovered it's just bloody amazing. Um and so just moving on from there, in ter- I mean, in terms of news, we've discussed a bit around, uh, I guess, your news, on around, um, you know, what's going on with COVID and that obviously you get the information at the same time as us. Uh, and I guess what do you, let's say, less hypothetical, uh, what do you hope the news will be uh, tomorrow when uh, we get an, a, a bit more of an announcement of the future?
2: Um, well, it's... Uh obviously um, you know you need to respect the respect the process and if people are still dying Um, you know you don't want to be um, banging on the door saying open the pub tomorrow Um, you know we're we're respectful of the advice the government are given and the action Mm -hmm. that they ask us to take for that Um, so with that with that caveat i'd love for the pubs to be open in in april if that's reasonable Mm -hmm. i understand it's not going to be march because that's when we're trying to get the school and non-essential retail back open and that's fair enough to try and get them open first Uh, i understand what the government's saying about you know um the environments of pubs, although I don't necessarily agree with them that there's a higher risk here. Um, but at worst, I'd like it to be the beginning of May um, because, you know, I, it, it's very difficult to know how many pubs are teetering on the edge yeah. just waiting to get open so they can see if they can survive because you know closing a pub can be expensive reopening a pub again can be expensive again you know just to take one element you need to uh, you need to put in your orders with the brewery um mm-hmm. you know you need to pick the amount of beer that you're going to order in and the following mm-hmm. week that beer needs to be paid for so if you know if you were to open the pub and expect to be busy and buy a lot of beer um, and then it turned out that it wasn't that busy. Um, you know, you've still got to pay the bills at the end of the day. Um, you know, I think uh, a lot of the landlords that have been probably very generous with people letting them off their rent uh, while the pubs are closed are, you know, going to be quite keen to uh, get their get their money back uh, as soon as possible once yeah. the pubs reopen. So. You know, there's a lot of pubs out there that will be surviving at the moment, but will probably be a little uh, cautious about, um, you know, the, the the risk of reopening. So I think the sooner we get anything like that done, the uh, the better, simply because uh, it'll give people, you know, there'll be less time between now and then to uh, to to be burning money, burning cash. Um, so so yeah, um, as I say, optimistically, I'd like it to be April. Um, uh, at the very latest, it needs to be May.
0: Brilliant. Well, let's see where it goes from there. So thank you for, um, what was that, Pub, pub News of the uh, of the Month. Um, so uh, after the break, we will be moving into Pub Lovers Corner, where we will interrogate Aaron a bit more closely, learning about how he's got into the industry, maybe a bit of the history of the Albert uh, and we'll also be asking our usual question to new people on the podcast. What was the first ever alcoholic drink you bought in a pub? See you after the break. Welcome back. And we have now moved into, not sad, sadly, not a physical move, but a move into Pub Lover's Corner, uh, where we get to chat more in-depthly to our guest, Aaron um about his his world his world in pub in is that a word is that a word can it, it is now okay great so yeah Aaron again thank you so much for joining I know we've already mentioned thank you for help you know taking part in the whole podcast as well so but yeah I mean tell us a bit about yourself how did you get into being a pub landlord and, and where, where did this career come from
2: well, I grew up in uh, in South London over in, in Dulwich and, uh, you know, um, there's plenty of pubs around there that, uh, that I enjoyed frequenting. Yeah. Um, essentially, it started just like this. Um, I was going to university. Um, I needed some part time income. So i managed to find myself a job at the uh, the, the new Cross Inn. In, uh,
0: oh, in seriously. Sorry, Absolutely. I'm interrupting you there. I've been to so many gigs in that pub. Fantastic,
2: yeah, it's a great little spot, and it hasn't—it's another one of those things just hasn't changed over the yeah. years. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I was uh, I, I was eighteen years old. Um, I, I was at university and I was looking for some part-time work, so I ended up working there. Um, you know, stayed on after university. Uh, Became the uh, became the assistant manager, which was a a very fine title, but all it meant is that you work all the hours. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I kind of for for a few years after that, I just uh, moved from pub to pub, um, just learning the trade. uh, I had a little spell in Tokyo actually as the uh, wow. marketing manager for uh, an English pub company out there called uh, Hub Goblin Japan, um, which happened simply by chance. I was bored one day. I, I went on the gumtree.com looking for, looking for jobs and there was this, uh, there was this you know, advert on there saying, you know, pub managers wanted in Japan. Wow. So I uh, got on the phone to this guy and he was like, Cool. Yeah, I explained a bit about my experience, and uh, he was like, "Oh, there's a yeah, there's a marketing job if you want it too." And I was like, oh, "That sounds great." I was in my early twenties; it sounded very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, within three days, I was on a plane and spent two years out in Tokyo. So oh, that was wow. uh, quite interesting, and you know, gave me a lot of experience. Yeah. Um, I'd say I got more than lucky getting such a role at such a young age. So it uh, took a lot of uh, learning, but it gave me a lot of experience too. Mm-hmm. Um, came back to the UK and uh, opened up a, a, a gastro pub in Camden, um, which uh, went from strength to strength, ended up in the Michelin Guide uh, for two years in a row, which we were very happy with. That's uh, uh, the Prince Albert on Royal College I Street. Watched watched the it, yeah.
0: um,
2: then we opened a, a, a second pub. Uh, with the same guys, and then I moved to uh, Australia for a couple of years uh, because I was getting to the the age bracket of 30 where you've got to travel. Um, Didn't do any any, uh, pub work at all in Australia, actually. I gave that a rest and worked in marketing. Uh, Came back from Australia. Um, The guys who I'd opened the uh, pub in Camden and the next pub for uh, had got a third pub and they were looking to open a fourth, so I slotted in as the marketing manager for them um and uh and, and yeah and that leads us pretty much right up to today um so the guys um that owned the four pubs they bought the uh Cromwell Hotel in Stevenage um yes. so I was involved in, uh, in the, the renovation of that and uh, building uh building a, a bistro there called Rump and Wade very nice place um and then they sold their pubs, and because I'm more in pubs than hotels, um, I left at that point and uh, bought the pub down the road. Uh, bought the lease on the pub down the road from uh, the pub I'd initially opened for them uh, after coming back from from Japan. Um, so, uh, so that's the Golden Line in Camden, and uh, we had that for a year, and things were going really well, and we thought we'd get ourselves another pub. Um, so, uh, so we were scouring the internet and. Uh, came across the the Albert in in Hitchin. Um it had really I suppose three elements that we were looking for um, it was underloved it was close to the station and it was in a an, an affluent or up- and-coming area so um, so we' get a lot of passers-by it would give us our opportunity to put uh, our, our our own stamp on things and um, you know the would be clientele around for the kind of offering that we wanted to put in
1: yeah, wow. And, and you've got a uh, sort of, I've obviously not had the opportunity to come up and, and visit um, uh, Nick, obviously, since since he's been uh, in Hitchin, but uh, looking on your website, you know, it just looks like you've got the roaring fire, which is sort of, um, is that is that sort of what, is that behind you now? Um, where, where it is, yeah, it's just uh, down here now. Unfortunately, it's not lit. So. <laughs> no, no, but I think that's sort of a, you know, uh, it's a must-have, isn't it? I think for a for a for a pub, um, you know. Absolutely, you just- we've got two fires here
2: actually, and uh, hopefully, when we're allowed to be open through a winter,
1: uh, we'll uh, we'll have them both
2: going. And you know, nice, uh, you know, when people are allowed to sit close to each other again, some nice wing-back chairs and maybe a, a very large log to put your put your drinks on and sit by the fire. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's uh, we're looking forward to having things a bit back to normal, so we can continue
1: to put our stamp on things. Yeah. Wow, that sounds amazing. And what what was um, what was Japan like? I mean, what you know, sort of you were there for a couple of years, and I know, um, you know, did did you have to learn the language? And and just tell us a bit about what the scenes like over there.
2: Well, um, I didn't have to learn the language because thankfully I was working for um, an English company. So it was English people that I was working with day to day. And our target market was uh, mostly people that worked in, uh, in, in banking and trading over there. So, uh, so we were liaising quite a lot with English speaking. Culturally, it's, um, it's hard to know how to explain it to people. And uh, whether I do it a justice or not, by saying it's the closest... That you'd um you'd ever experienced to being picked up and dropped into uh, another planet simply because um the the nuances of the culture are so different mm. um you know if if, if if you or i were to go to france we'd be able to have a look at the uh, have a look at the writing on the wall and work out roughly what it's saying but without any kind of training you know you're just looking at pictures uh, i remember spending a, a couple of hours just lost on the underground there because i just for, for the best people in the world, <laughs> couldn't find out where I was going. Um, it's, um,
0: it, 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 it's a, it's 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 a metropolis. So, is there a big English pubs? Is, it, I mean, is there a big English pub scene in Japan, or is it purely like you say for for the the, the traveling bankers and such? Or, or is there a scene where you know Japanese people do encourage do enjoy like or, or like the idea of an English pub as well?
2: Uh, I, I'd say to, uh, th- there's certainly a larger market for it. Um, so there's there's a few elements of English-speaking people that you'll get. You'll get the um, or, or or English or, or American or Canadian nationals that are travelling through. So you'll get people that work there in the banks. You'll get people that work as English teachers. Uh, you'll get students that are living out there. Um, you'll get people that are just simply tourists um, and, um, and and people working in the uh, you know uh, so the british chamber of commerce stuff yeah. like that there's uh, um british schools there's all different elements of uh of, of british culture that, that that's out there um or uh, not just british uh, a lot of the clientele was uh was american as well yeah, I, was bi- say, I can imagine
0: western culture sort of places you kind of go over there and be recognize that familiarity isn't it
2: Absolutely, and America has uh, quite a, a heavy touch in Japan because they've uh, they've been involved there so long post-war mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, between the military and the, uh, the economic uh, co- connections they have. So uh, you'd see a lot of American businessmen coming through as well as, uh, uh, you know, military military personnel. Um, with regards to how big the scene is, there's a, a huge amount of uh, interest in, uh, in our culture from Japanese people as well. So uh, while at the bar, you'd see a lot of, you know, um, Foreigners, um, you know the, the uh, Europeans drinking at the bar. Um, you know there'd be the, a lot of uh, Japanese people uh, taking up the tables, enjoying the uh, enjoying the ales. Um, you know, yeah. really enjoying the whiskies as well. The Japanese are very yeah, nice have a very nice whisky culture, don't they? In Japan, absolutely. and, uh, and you know, um, simple things that we enjoy on a daily basis like fish and chips and you know, burger and chips and stuff like that toad in the hole you know they they it, it's all uh, it's it's all kind of uh, cuisine to them that's, uh that's unusual the same way as we might go out to a japanese restaurant they uh, they, they they treat the the english pubs like english restaurants quite a lot so uh,
0: so that's, it's interesting that's yeah. Sausage covered in battered <laughs> Just- yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> um, so coming back though to uh, the albert then so correct me if i'm wrong just to clarify you now uh, manage or own two pubs this one and yeah this. we've got two pubs
2: so um we um we we operate them so we're there are pubs uh, you know we don't have the freeholds to them but we've got the leaseholds to them uh, it's myself and my, uh, my my business partner trevor um he's, uh, he's a he's a great chef and uh, he's worked at uh at some fantastic places we've worked together over the years the last pla- place he, he worked if you know islington you'll know the, the draper's arms yes He's the, uh, he was the second chef there for, uh, for for many years and uh and yeah he uh he, he he makes great food that that you know i'm i'm happy to eat all the time and, uh, and the customers <laughs> are too so is, uh, chef, is he the chef
0: at the albert then he
2: is yeah. yeah so um when we took on the golden lion um he was the chef there and i was the manager there they were the roles we filled although we're it's our business um but we you know we fill the roles um yeah. and uh you know he got it off the off the ground because uh, we never had the, the pub had never had a kitchen or a food offering so uh, so we built a, a a kitchen in the basement there it seems all we're doing is building kitchens uh we built a kitchen in the basement <laughs> yeah. and, uh,
0: when did you um? when did you start the Golden Line then? What what year? Uh, it was uh, September two thousand eighteen. Okay. So sorry, I I, I I left London to come to Hitchin. So I'm trying to figure out like if I've ever been there and why I might because I don't think I have, uh, and why I haven't. Um, but it sounds like an amazing place. And so then when did the when did you take on the Albert? So
2: we uh, we got the lease to the Albert in November two thousand nineteen. Um, oh wow literally just yeah.
0: just before I moved yeah like, what, so, what, what was it like what was it like when you took tuck it on then um gosh uh, well we uh, we came up to uh,
2: to scope the place out one weekend and uh, but before we took it over and uh, you know we we, we 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 tried to come in and, and the place was closed uh, it seemed as though it had been opening and closing sporadically uh, in the the weeks up to when we were leaving uh, sorry when we when we were arriving because the uh, the previous landlord was you know starting to wind up and uh, you know, make his uh, make his way out of the business. Um, so we then uh, we went to a couple of other pubs around Hitchin and just to, to kind of get a feel for the area. I only really knew Hitchin beforehand because uh, because of the work I'd done at the Cromwell Hotel in Stevenage. Um, so I'd. I'd literally just been here a couple of times so we came up the pub was closed um so we, we had a bit of a walk around uh we then arranged with the uh, the owner of the building the freeholder to come down the following weekend when we were assured it would be open so we uh we turned up that weekend and uh popped in there was some live music going on a bit of a, a jazz evening um the pub was um it was very dark there was a few people in it seemed uh although there was only maybe eight or nine people in it feel felt crowded um, there was a, a pool table that took up nearly nearly 40 percent of the, uh, of mm. the pub um, you know there was there was eight real ale taps uh, there but there was only one or two on the tap um, there was a uh, uh, there, was, there was a few different, uh, you know, a bit of a, a curious selection of uh, beers on tap, um, but uh, but most of them weren't working. So I, I suppose, um, and the place, uh, you know, it, it had seen better days. It was it was dark and it was a bit. Um, but we um you know that again just added excitement for us um, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was an opportunity to you know look beyond what somebody's already done because uh, one thing that we're, we're less interested in is um you know taking over somewhere where we're literally just ticking it over um you know managing it um yeah, uh, the profit that. it's uh, it's not why we got into this we want to we want to create, well, actually what we want to do is um, keep traditional pubs looking traditional and just add in new elements. So the idea is that, you know, you're not trying to get rid of the locals that were there before and bring in a new clientele. What you want is to make the locals happy and build in new levels by adding craft beers, which will bring people who enjoy craft beers, have a nice wine list on and, you know, a, a large selection of gins So and, uh, and a friendly environment that women will feel comfortable in. Um, so you can bring Bring in different elements of the community, yeah. um, because one thing that really sticks with me is, um, you know, when when you change a pub, people say, "Well, what about the community that we're in here before?" And the honest answer to that is if there, was, if, if, if there was such a small community in here before that the place was losing money, the community wasn't big enough. So, what we would like to do is add that community to more of the community, mm. and make it a community pub for the actual community of Hitchin rather than just a small number of people that call themselves a community. I hope that makes sense.
0: No, it does yeah. absolutely, and I think that's a good model to work for. I mean, I would... uh, will, will, you, um, will you show?
1: Sports. I mean, that's that's always a, a sort of interesting question. I always find is that some people just say no, we're not going to show it. Others will go big on it. what well, in a normal year, if the Six Nations was on, for example, would you would you have you got TVs? Have you got sports showing or?
2: Absolutely, we'll show sports. So um, here, here's the way we sit on sports. Um, the Six Nations was on last year. We showed it and we were very busy for it. And that's absolutely fantastic. What we're not going to do is um, show the Premier League every week in, week out uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I don't think it's what people expect when they come out, for example, to maybe if people are having a Sunday roast, they don't expect to uh, have the football on in the background in this particular pub. Um, also the, 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 vast cost of, uh, of, of, of sports uh, is uh, for, for, for pubs um, is, uh, is a topic all in itself. It's uh, it's absolutely uh ludicrous how much um how much they charge for uh
0: for showing uh pubs football. Got, the pubs have, there's like a pub license isn't there for showing premiership and stuff like absolutely. that
2: absolutely yeah absolutely um you need to uh they charge you by your rateable value and by your square footage and um in the pub in camden for example <laughs> we had we had bt sports on um which yeah. um you know we, we had it as an aside to see if people wanted it but we actually rarely used it we'd show maybe one or two games week but we're getting charged for showing every single game and uh, although that was only around 30 percent of what football was available from the Premier League that we were showing because we didn't have Sky Sports we were still paying over two grand a month for that and that's you know halfway to paying for a general manager in a pub and it's bringing nothing in you know so um, so I suppose um, the uh, a fuller answer um, is that although we'd show say the uh, the european cup this year when it's on hopefully we're happy to show the six nations because it's a uh, you know a a, a short timed event and you know it's uh, it doesn't go on all year but you know there's a uh, there's great pubs uh, locally that you know rely on the sports trade. Yeah. Um so for example is Molly in. Malone's just down the road and yeah. you know they did a lot of the trade that they do is around football. And you know there's no point competing with people that do it well. And you know it's like it's it's a well served community. So you know there's a, there's no point us trying to snatch off a few people from them and you know um you know annoy some of our customers who want to come here and get away from the football. So so yeah we'll show sports just not all sports all the time. Yeah it's
0: a great question though. It's it's yeah. What about your
1: um the the Nicks just um re- reminded me of your website again and I've just looked at your menu and uh it just looks really impressive um what <laughs> what, what what's your sort of um favorite sort of uh thing off of off your menu oh. um, so put put you on the spot now to yeah. Yeah. Remember what's on the there. the menu I
2: haven't been able to eat from in nearly three months yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I um I have to uh, well gosh there's uh, obviously the daily favorite not that I eat it every day would be the uh, the, the cheeseburger it's um, you know people rave about our cheeseburger and triple cooked chips and uh, it's it's for good reason it uh, Trevor does a great job with it but the um, the the dish that um, I'm not sure if it's on the, the the menu that was left online at the end um, one of the the, the the kind of uh quirkier dishes that we did uh, you'd be able to get a half lobster um with uh, with 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 chips and summer slaw um so i think we were the only place in hitch that was you, you know you'd, uh, the only pub certainly where you'd be able to go in and order half a lobster and uh, you know sit and eat something that's a
1: little uh, a little um, outside of the scope of general pub food yeah. nice I, yeah looks good i just like I'm, I'm looking at the um I think if I was there, I'd probably go for the suet crust turkey pie with mashed potato and Savoy cabbage. I can just imagine that, and a combination of you know a couple of pints of of something dark and the roaring fire probably you know be out like a light. You'd have to come and wake me from the (laughs) wings. The Christmas we wanted to have last year, but uh, unfortunately we got cut short. But no, the uh,
2: I had that pie actually. It was very nice, and uh, yeah, it'll definitely be making a return onto the menu this uh, this coming year. I'd say. Oh, that's good news.
0: I mean, we've not got long left, unfortunately. And I think I could continue this. I feel like this chat could go on for ages. Uh, I just want to note, I have had the cheeseburger and it is absolutely outstanding. Uh, It was a lot better, like from a pub. It was a lot better than I was expecting from a pub. Um, But I want to move, I guess one thing. So in COVID times, Aaron, um, well, two things, two questions. (laughs) One thing I'm always good. What? how good is your relationship with Hamilton? A lot of what you serve... Is uh, Hamilton Cans and Hamilton Brewery, which is great. But is, is there a reason for that? Is, that? is that have you have you got a close relationship with that brewery, or is that?
2: Um, so obviously, I was um, running and involved in pubs in uh, in, in North London yeah, for yeah. several years. So I came across Hamerton, um, and um, I came across him when uh, when N1 and N7 were some of the kind of you know better real ales to have in cask in London. Yes. Um, so you know, and um, you know, uh, there are other great ones too. Redemption in uh, in Tottenham brilliant ales as well um but Hammerton speaking about hammerton um so that's how i started to uh, to get to know them there was no relationship at all and i'd simply uh, go buy their beer they'd drop it off and that was that and you know the weeks would go on yeah but, no that's amazing uh, as time's gone on, though, um, Lee down there, the uh, the owner and uh, and his brewers have done some incredible stuff. They've uh, they've, they've they've just uh, they've pushed the uh, pushed the bar out so far, and I think they're one of the most underrated brewers in uh, in in London. Um, and they do fantastic stuff. And uh, you know, um, it started off um, that you know we were just using them for ales in pubs that I was running, yeah. but when we uh, when we opened our own pub. I said, well, you know, Beavertown has so much of this market. but yeah. um, And although we love their beer, I personally love Hammerton beer more. So we'll put on the Beaver Town because that's what the market's looking for at the moment. But, you know, equally at the same time, we're going to put on two from Hammerton So two from Beavertown because that's what the market wants and two from Hammerton So we can try and educate our customers into what we like. No, right. Um, and uh and, and yeah it went really well from there and uh we put some in in, in the fridge and, uh, and it worked really well um the reason that I have a a bias towards Hamilton now is because um you know when the fresh lockdown came and all the breweries rightly shut up um because uh, there was no trade around we were doing a we were doing quite a good kind of takeaway trade for our customers um and uh and, and it wasn't people that were after a you know a, a Carlsberg or San Miguel yeah, or I
0: can't imagine uh, that travels well
2: no um people were looking <laughs> to have something interesting they were stuck at home yeah. in the middle of the summer and you know um Lee uh, hammerton Brewery was still uh, still had a load oh, of annoying. stock you know and they were a small you know well I don't know how small they are but you know they're a, they're an independent brewery in London that had been caught out and left with a load of stock we're an independent pub people in you know, London and, and Hitchin, who, who enjoy their beer, of course, we're going to uh, to try and take as much of that stock off them as we can and sell it. So, you know, we can help both of ourselves survive. So, uh, so, yeah, it's, um, it's you know, amazing. It,
0: uh, it's, it's a really nice circle round, actually. So we did a podcast with Lee uh, last year. Was it? Oh, God, no, it wouldn't have been last year. It would have been the year before. Um, yeah, so we know how lovely Lee is and the Hamilton crew, and um, it was just funny. I noticed when I started buying beers from your pub and stuff is very much. it's a lot of Hamilton here, um, and it is a great brewery. Uh, Ken, again, it's a it's a London trip that is. We'll do a it <laughs> and uh, hit that place up because it is the brew the tap room's amazing. Oh,
1: great! So uh, on the list,
0: yeah. So, so speaking of which, I mean. You, you just mentioned, like, your take. So this is, like, the question. Because I, 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 um, I, I bought beer from your shelf about two weeks, I think, in, in, in the third lockdown. And um, I think I noticed your taps were getting smaller, or the choice of taps was getting smaller. And I assume that's because, yeah, of course, why are pe- people aren't producing beer? Because they can't sell it. And then I think this weekend you had a splurge of, like, three new tap beers. So uh, how is so you're selling your beer on an app an app you how has that been and how what how, how big a help has that been or, you know. absolutely well um in the first
2: two lockdowns the government allowed pubs to actually just sell takeaway beer so yeah. you or you or your friends would come down to the pub you'd uh, you'd order a couple of beers and we'd stick it into a milk bottle for you and um, and you'd take it away and that was all good and well But in the third lockdown, the government explicitly said that you were not allowed to come and collect beer. um, It could only be delivered. So um, during the first two lockdowns, we'd jumped on um, the Campaign for Real Ales app called Brew2U, number two. but it hadn't really taken off because people wanted to get out of the house and they yeah. wanted to come into the pub and you know have a quick chat with somebody before either going over and drinking their beer on a wall somewhere or going home. Um, but when the third lockdown came came around, people didn't have the option to do that, so we were we saw a huge uptick in it. Um, we we promoted it a bit more um, uh, because uh, because we knew it was the only way we were going to be able to get rid of beer. Um, and, uh, and 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 yeah, it worked out really well. I mean, like um, you know, I. could be I can be driving around to 20 to 30 different places on a, a Friday or a Saturday night trying to uh, trying to keep people in beer um, and, um, and and yeah just to address what you're saying about the uh, you know the ever depleting um, list of beer that's available in the in the store that was for two reasons first of all we've either run out of a product and weren't able to get a resupply of it or you know because it's been a while now some of the beer yeah. is uh is not uh, in, in as good quality as, uh, as it was when we started. So we don't want to be selling people substandard stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, like that, uh, two weeks ago, I jumped in the car, went down to hammerton Brewery, picked up a few barrels of his and, uh, you know, stuck them on tap the next day. It's um, nice. it, it's all pretty straightforward way of, uh, you know, operating. So uh, so it works really well, yeah.
0: Ken, have you, have, you, um, have you bought any takeaway beer from a pub? I mean, well you primarily...
1: Well, no, I haven't actually. I'm just trying to think. I know Tiny Rebel in in Cardiff. Um, they've got a um, a bar in the centre of town, and they were um, certainly during the the lockdown where you were allowed to go and collect beer. They were sort of you know saying Wh- whatever you can carry it in, we'll 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 sell it to you. In um, I've I've been tending to buy a fair amount of um, so like for example now I'm drinking some uh, Tenby Harbor. Um, so just been buying boxes of boxes of that every now and again. Um, and yeah, fair amount of, of tiny rebel as well, as I said, but the, you know, I, I think it's, I I was actually chatting to someone about this the other day, whether I've drank more in the last 12 months or less, you know, because you think, you know, you're probably ordering more online and, and, you know, getting people getting takeaways and things. um, but, but actually, you know, if you were living a normal life, you probably, you know, have a day out of the rugby or, you know, maybe yeah. have a session after work every now and again or whatever. And um, it's quite interesting. I, I, I think I probably concluded I'm probably about pretty much the same as, as normal, um, but probably consciously trying to, you know, make sure that I'm, you know, buying buying some local, you know, sort of uh, good good beer.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I've just had a quick look now, and I can see that there are a couple of places delivering in. Well, but I said Cardiff, but they've gone on to go about Bridgend and Swansea as well. So I can't imagine there's absolutely a ton. Um, no, but I, I guess and that's interesting because I think um, Aaron, I, I like I don't know, you're the only pub in a in you know probably thirty miles from me that delivers uh, to me, as opposed to breweries who do deliver, uh, which is interesting. Tell us about the hospitality's impact on um you know the, the covid world at the moment you're saying it's not, it's not just pubs and restaurants and things that uh, there's lots of part-time staff who uh, are, haven't got a job or on who can't do further as well so tell, tell yeah. us more about that
2: absolutely so um i am um, i've just started working well uh, about a month ago in, in in january i started working for um for for doing um, uh, COVID nineteen testing, so um, I am um, I kind of supervise a uh, pop up site uh, for Hertfordshire, uh, indirectly for Hertfordshire Council. So um, I'll um, you know we'll uh, I'll turn up at a at a hub um, at six o'clock in the morning, load a van with a, a load of tables and testing kits and PPE and stuff like that, and we'll decamp out to a uh, to a, a library or a sports centre or something like that, and um, it'll it'll be pre-arranged, and uh, we'll uh, we'll have fifteen staff meeting us there at the site, and uh, they will all fulfil roles um, throughout the day in essentially getting people the lateral flow tests uh, for COVID nineteen, um, and the people that we. Um, that we serve are um, you know they tend to be people that can't um, work from home or people that are key workers so, you know like firemen and police officers and you know, people people that drive or teachers and things like that um so um so yeah like I say it's four days on four days off but one of the uh, more interesting things that I noticed was the amount of people that were working there from the hospitality industry mm. um so if you consider the um the, the skills needed I suppose to to do a job like that it's uh, it's interesting to consider you know in hospitality you want someone who's friendly engaging warming that will welcome people into their into their into their pub or restaurant. Yeah. It's exactly Exactly the same thing you want um, in the kind of person that would be introducing people into a lateral flow test centre. Um, you know, it can be quite an alien environment to people um, when everyone's walking around in full PPE. Um, you know, they're coming to do a test on themselves where they'll have to put something in their mouth and nose and do it right and get a test. Um, so essentially, having uh, people from hospitality uh, has been a bit of a Uh, a a bit of a perfect fit for lateral flow testing because the people that work in there are very engaging and, uh, you know, very disarming. And uh, they make the customers, as we call them, feel very, uh, you know, safe and looked after.
0: Amazing. That's so, uh, yeah, when you mentioned that to me, I was like, that makes perfect sense. It's kind of like, ah, okay, well, you can do this. Um, Brilliant. We are coming to an end, uh, sadly. uh, And one question I haven't had a chance to ask you both which I did allude to in the break, uh, is uh, as we always like to ask our guests or new people to the show, whether it's co-hosts or guests, what was the first alcoholic drink you bought in a pub? Uh, And what was it? Yeah. And where was it, if you can remember? Uh, And, you know, your experience of that first alcoholic drink. Ken, I'm going to come to you. I've not had a chance for a while, so do you remember what was your first alcoholic drink you bought in a pub?
1: Yeah, so this is going to be um pretty sort of off the mark in terms of craft beer and all of that stuff. So, that, oh, yeah, that...
0: pub's a pub, mate. You get you can buy vodka, cheap cider, it's all yeah. good. It
1: would so, so, this would be a uh a lemon hooch. <laughs> um, Yes, and and um, well, actually, you know, I, I think it was a hooch. Um, it may have been a Budweiser, but it was certainly a combination of those drinks were were drunk that evening. It was at a um, a family party uh, at uh, Bishopston Rugby Club um, a, a, a few years ago, um, and I think
0: Did you just say a few years ago, so like oh, yeah, a,
1: a, a few, few year years year. ago, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think. It's, it's really put me off lemons as well since then I, you know the the whole sort of flavor it's just
0: it's like drinking sort of um uh, sort of jff lemon really isn't it like lilt i find i don't know about you but if you drink lilt it, does, it leaves a bit of a i don't know like a blob of crap in your mouth afterwards and but the yeah. funny thing is you know hooch had a comeback about oh this is probably about 10 years ago but like because yeah. they kept, they were out one in 2000 to 1999 and then disappeared for a while and then came back out in like 2010, eleven. But in bigger bottles, like uh f- like five fifty mil yeah. beer bottles type type things. Um yeah, because I remember seeing them at a gig venue once and we drank them out of hooch because of were like, oh hooch. Yeah. Although I think with hooch as well, it's
1: I, I don't think people actually get drunk on hooch. It's just they get high on the sugar, don't they? Because of the <laughs> the sugar content. It's probably, you know, it's like just probably drinking a whole sort of vat of, of sort of refined yeah. sugar. Absolutely. A bit like the Cardi Breezers, I suppose. Yeah, it's like yeah. that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Aaron, what about yourself? First alcoholic drink you bought in a pub.
1: I'm I'm like, right. well, um... Sorry,
0: sorry, Aaron. Two seconds. Ken, you, where was that? Bishops and Rugby Club you said, was
1: yeah, it? Yeah, Bishops and Rugby Club, yeah. It was Then and Swansea. Was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, family down there so uh, yeah it was a family party down there it was a good night. Right,
0: nice one all right aaron yeah uh, first alcoholic drink and where from uh the first uh, alcoholic drink i had
2: was a pint of fosters and lime and uh, I was uh, it was out on my 18th birthday with there uh, with my dad in the local pub. It's uh, it was called the Hamlet at the time over in East Donagh. I think it's called the Cherry Tree now. So it's been bought up by Youngs, uh, but it's uh, right around the corner from Dunwich Hamlet Football Club, uh, where uh, where we'd just been that afternoon to. Uh, to uh, to to watch uh, watch the football and uh, so yeah it was a proper proper experience you know go down to the local non-league football club and uh, you know uh, watch watch the footy then uh, down to dad's local and uh, get a get a pint of fosters and lime so uh, yeah why uh, me yeah.
0: asking why it fosters and lime
2: because um, I didn't really uh, I mean like um, I'd, I'd obviously had a, a drink at home before but um, uh, I found beer to taste a bit sour. Um, at the time my palate hadn't really uh adapted to it yet so yeah, yeah. Uh, the lime made it a bit sweeter actually uh, which is why i uh <laughs> threw that uh that that luminous uh, luminous green juice down it so uh. amazing
0: oh fantastic thank you for sharing that that's always an interesting one um and just for your information viewers uh, viewers listeners will know this mine, mine was worthington always my first first point edward the, the creaminess of a good old and, um I, I, that kind of brings us to the end uh I, I probably later than it, the end um but thank you so much aaron for joining us today um it's been really interesting to hear your story into the sort of pub scene and especially how you're surviving as a as a pub and things now and glad it's going all right um and you know as you say we can only hope um that we have some well that you're open again to more people in the
2: um, absolute pleasure um, thank you so much for having me on guys really appreciate the uh, the opportunity to uh, to talk to some people uh, especially about the uh, the pub so it's uh, it's
0: been a wonderful afternoon thanks thanks a million for having me not a problem ken and thank you again for host co-hosting with me you've been great as well any any words of wisdom for the end
1: uh no well there's certainly certainly no words of wisdom but no i i, I would say just there yeah, again thanks for having me i really enjoyed the experience and uh yeah it's just made me even more keen to get back into
0: a pub so uh yeah no, that's the problem that. with this we do these and release them talk about pubs and then anyone who listens to them is like oh my god when are we back in the pub again but anyway um on that note thank you very much and good night